Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to my first episode, full episode, back since my big trip. So I know an episode got released on Monday. I got back on Saturday, but I recorded that back in June with Liv. Um, And the pep talks, obviously, I don't have a chance to catch up with you guys because they're just very small, kind of get in your head and give you a fucking pep talk for the morning. So this is, you know, I feel like it's my first time chatting with you guys since I've been back and it is so good to be back sitting here with my microphone. I literally feel like I'm talking to you guys right to your face even though I'm obviously not. Anyway, um, I am going to do a little very brief wrap up of my holiday. So if you are if you are sitting there with no interest whatsoever, just fast forward for a few minutes and I'm going to go into a brain fact and then I'm going to get into the topic of today which is all about being alone versus loneliness and how to learn how to love being alone and the incredible benefits that you will gain from learning to enjoy being alone. And I'm not talking about living in solitude. You can do this if you have, you know, 10 children, which hectic if you do, my hat goes off to you, but you could do this if you have, you know, if you live in a busy household, if you've got people around you all the time, you should always still seek to find alone time, even if it's for a few minutes, if it's doing a task that's alone, or if you live alone or move to the other side of the world alone, okay? But you should always want to have time alone, and I'm going to teach you why, A, it's so important, and B, how you can actually enjoy that, okay? Which to some people sounds impossible, but it's possible. Okay, little update of my trip. I'm not going to bore you. Can I just be honest with you? I fucking, what's there to talk about? I went to the other side of the world, had a ball, good times, came back. Do, do people actually, unless you've got a funny anecdote, do people actually want to listen to you ramble on about every location that you were? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe people do. But I just think, like, I honestly think I can't think of anything more boring than me telling you every location I went to. The funny thing was that I actually lost my luggage three times, three times, and it was so fucking so hectic trying to get my luggage back every single time and it taught me a lot of patience it was very good I was very impressed that pretty much throughout the whole thing I was laughing more than anything else I was like this is a fucking lol you know you're on fucking holidays you know put shit into perspective but the thing that annoyed me the most wasn't actually not having my shit with me because you know it's fucking clothes like you 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 live you learn you move on it's just it's just fucking fabric that's in a bag but the annoying thing was just kind of like the the back and forth and the time that was wasted. And I'm like, I just don't want to be wrapped up doing this admin, trying to get my bag back when I could just be, you know, exploring the lands of wherever I am. So that was probably the most frustrating thing. But even then, honestly, first world problem, so can't complain. Beautiful trip, fucking amazing. Um, and then I finished it off doing two weeks in Bali and that those last two weeks was where I really switched off. You guys were so patient with me. I was like, guys, I'm not uploading anything. I'm not going to do any episodes. I'm just going to fully switch off. And I did and it was very good for the soul and it got me so excited to be back recording podcasts, working on, you know, projects. The merch samples are being made up. It's been a fucking process, but they're being made up now. So hopefully I'll be receiving the samples soon. There's been so many delays. And then if they're all good, then I can place that order. It's exciting. The samples are going to be sick. Well, the merch will be sick. I hope the samples will be too. Right. That's it talking about myself. I'm now going to go into the brain fact of today. I'm going to be talking about a condition called Alexia. Very, very interesting condition. If you want to go straight to the topic of the episode... 
you can fast forward to the 10 or so minute mark. So alexia is a condition that occurs after a lesion, a brain injury. Normally it could be through head trauma or a stroke um, or I mean there's several things that can cause it but mainly it's head trauma or stroke and it's called alexia. Alexia means an inability to read. So lexia means to read and alexia is the inability to read. But more specifically, it's the lost ability to read. So you wouldn't consider a toddler who hasn't learned how to read as having alexia, obviously, right? It's a, it's a skill that you had and then it was lost due to trauma, injury, lesion, infarction to the brain. Now, often alexia occurs alongside other things. So it could occur when a patient develops aphasia and aphasia is a loss of comprehension or expression of language. So you guys might have heard that Bruce Willis has announced his retirement a a few months ago, I think it was, due to him being diagnosed with aphasia. And often when a patient develops aphasia, agraphia and alexia is also seen, okay? So this de- it's dependent on which kind of aphasia occurs because there's several and it can be expressed differently. But agraphia is a loss of an ability to write. Graphia, write, graph, write. Agraphia is the loss of the ability, a previous ability to write. And alexia can occur alongside it or on its own. But today, th- and there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons that can cause um, aphasia, and agraphia with alexia. But today, specifically, I want to talk about alexia without agraphia. So when it occurs just by itself. So this means that it's a patient who cannot read, but can write. Okay. So they can, you can talk to them, they understand it. They can write words, but they can't read words or they struggle to read words. They might be, they could spell out letter by letter, But the main problem is they struggle to decode writing, okay? Now, this is also known as word blindness. So the person can't decode what they are saying, but they used to be able to to do so. They used to be able to read, okay? Now, when it occurs on its own, it's called pure alexia. And what is happening? What's happening in the brain to cause this very specific thing without the other conditions I spoke about, without agraphia, without aphasia, okay? This is due to a disruption to the connecting pathways in certain brain regions. And there's a part of the, the uh, a structure within the brain called the corpus callosum. And this is a huge bundle of fibers that connects the left and right hemispheres. And it spans across a large portion of the brain, from the back of the brain all the way across to the front. Hypothetically, if this, um, if this bundle of fibers was severed completely, then the two hemispheres of the brain would not be able to communicate with each other. Okay, And mind you, there are operations that do that in patients that have severe or very, very, very frequent seizures. Um, and that is one of the very dramatic treatments for it. Okay, So that's hypothetically if you were to sever that because it connects and communicates between right hemisphere and left. Now, if the patient suffers, if our patient suffers a stroke or an infarction, which is basically a loss of blood supply, which can occur in a stroke, um, to the, the loss of blood supply to the left occipital lobe in this particular region where it also, um, where it also affects the splenium of the corpus callosum, then it can cause a defect in the visual field. 
but the patient will still have 20-20 vision because the right cortex is still intact, the other side, the other hemisphere of the brain. And it's, a, it's quite complicated because they actually do have a deficit in their visual field, but it's normally not detectable by the patient, which is very interesting, okay? So the patient is not complaining about a visual field defect. They don't sense it, but they complain that they can no longer read. They can write, they can spell out a word, but, and they can say it out loud but they can't read and they can't comprehend like fluent text. They can't just be reading through text, whether it's out loud or whether it's um, just quietly to themselves. They might be able to do it very, very, very slowly, but they're likely going to miss out a lot of words, not comprehend full words together. Um, it's going to be a lot of kind of guessing here and there and they cannot read fluently. Now what's happening here is that the left angular gyrus, which is on on the left hemisphere, is the reading center for most right and left-handed people. So on the left, it's on the left side of the brain. And if the if there's damage to the splenium of the corpus callosum, information from the right side of the brain cannot cross over to the left side of the brain as there is damage there. And this is the cause of alexia without agraphia, okay? So it's very specific. It occurs in isolation. And basically it's got to do with information that's coming in it's being received by the, the right occipital lobe, by the right cortex, but it cannot then be transferred to the reading center on the other side of the brain. Okay, so that's the main problem. We're talking about a communication shutdown, a communication breakdown here. You know, the lobes might be pretty intact, but if there is damage to one side of the lobe, which also includes part of the corpus callosum, then you're going to see um, alexia develop okay and um, this is often primarily due to a left posterior cerebral artery infarction so it's left side of the brain posterior back cerebral artery infarction loss of blood supply and that's the most common cause and this can be detected via a scan normally an MRI because MRIs are good at um, detecting blood flow and activity across different regions in the brain. So that's the brain fact for today. Good times. Let's get straight into the topic of today. There's quite a bit that I want to get through. I want you guys to feel excited and motivated and want to be alone even for just 10 minutes a day. Okay, let's do it. So I think it's really important for each and every one of us to learn to be alone and not just to accept being alone, but to really enjoy the experience and to seek it out every so often or more than just every so often, maybe daily, just a little snippet of being alone, learning to enjoy being alone, learning to actually enjoy your own company is a huge step in your journey to self-love and happiness because, and I'll explain why, because you are taking back control. You have the power back in your hands. If you are somebody that struggles with self-love and you also avoid being alone at all costs, then this is something that there's going to be a big correlation here and you're going to see a lot of things resonate with you in this podcast and it's going to make you realize that this is something that you probably want to be working on. Now, when I talk about being alone, I'm going to talk about the difference between being lonely versus being alone because they're very different. But when I talk about being alone, I'm not referring to you sitting down and scrolling mindlessly through Instagram. That does not count as being alone. You are being pacified through what you would deem to be an otherwise boring moment. Very different, okay? So let's let's first talk about a few of the main benefits that happens when you can truly learn to be alone and to be at peace with it, okay? So much comes with it. 
you stop relying on people, okay, in general. It means that when you do hang out with people and when you do interact with people, it is a choice because the alternative is really good. It's you enjoying your own company. For people that don't enjoy their own company, the alternative is horrendous, okay, because they're like, well, fuck, I have to put up with these people because if I don't, I have nothing and I hate being by myself. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I can't stand my own company. So then you really don't have a choice. It's this whole thing of like beggars can't be choosers, right? You also learn way more about yourself. You can only learn about yourself when you have a moment of pause to ask yourself, to, to have a bit of insight into what it is that you want. What Are you happy with this current situation? Are you not and why? And dig into it further. If you don't spend time alone, you can't do that. There's less pressure for you to do things because if you don't want to go somewhere, the alternative is great. You're just doing your own thing, okay? You, If you don't like being alone – so this is a downside of it. If you don't like being alone, um, you hang around people that you don't really want to hang around with. You start taking any person and any situation and just accepting it because you don't really, you haven't really asked yourself what you want. You don't know what your standards are. You don't like being alone. So you just take what you can get. You also stay in situations that don't serve you or are extremely toxic and unhealthy because you feel that you can't leave unless you have a replacement option available, okay? So a lot of people that really don't like their own company, they don't like being alone, or they're scared of being alone, will only leave a relationship when there is the prospect of a sure thing elsewhere, right? And, you know, you can call this unhealthy, bad, whatever, but it is what it is. You don't want to leave somebody to be alone, because you're terrified to just be alone and you think that that is the worst case scenario. And I'm trying, what my goal for this is for people that think that being alone is the worst case scenario, I want you to have changed your mind about that by the end of this episode. You don't have to feel it yet, but I want you to understand that it's possible for you to no longer feel that way. Okay. So first, what I want to do is I want to talk about, well, first, I keep saying first, I've done many firsts. The next thing I want to do is talk about feeling lonely versus being alone because they're completely different things. And I'm not saying, oh, embrace it when you're fucking isolated and lonely. Very different, okay? Feeling lonely is when you are lacking human connection. It is not by choice. It is where you feel isolated either physically or emotionally, where you, he where you feel unheard, where you feel unsupported, or when you feel that you have no one around you. And it is a very isolating experience and it can be very, very painful. And often this occurs in your hour of need. And if this goes on for too long, it can have really big implications on your mental health, okay? It's also a feeling that arises when you experience the pain of abandonment, this feeling lonely where you feel that nobody understands you, the person closest to you has left you, normally romantically, has left you and it feels like this massive void that can't be filled. So along with heartbreak, we also feel lonely. It's not by choice and we suffer. When you look at lockdown and what that did for a lot of people's mental health, people were experiencing loneliness because it was not by choice. It was very prolonged and they were lacking that human connection, which is very necessary, right? They didn't have the choice. They wanted the people to support them. They were feeling very isolated. That is loneliness. Another way of feeling lonely is you could be, this is the thing, you can be surrounded by people all the time and be feeling extremely lonely, okay? The loneliest I ever felt was not when I was living alone 
the many times I've lived alone was not when I was traveling alone. The loneliest I've felt was when I was in an emotionally abusive relationship and didn't want to talk about it. So I was, and that was my choice not to talk about it. But the reason I didn't want to tell anyone about how bad it was, was because I didn't want to run the relationship through the dirt in case things turned around. I was always hopeful that things would get better. I also didn't want people to think poorly of him. And I also didn't want people to think that I'm an idiot for staying in the relationship because part of me knew that it was, it was wrong, but I also couldn't, I struggled to see how I could leave. So I felt extremely lonely. I felt so isolated, even though I was surrounded by someone at all times. And you feel kind of like stuck. You feel that you have no one to turn to. And this one had nothing to do with physical proximity to people around you. It had to do with emotionally feeling unheard or feeling that you couldn't be heard because you can't tell someone about what you're going through because you think it's going to have really terrible uh, ramifications on your relationship, on yourself, et cetera, et cetera. That is feeling lonely, okay? And if and the problem is when you're in one of those toxic situations feeling extremely lonely, um, you, you don't do anything to change it because you think what would be worse than this, experiencing this feeling and not having my partner with me and not having that, you know, that even if they're toxic, when it's good, it's good enough, I can't be by myself. But the problem is that you fear the alternative so much and in reality – Nothing good can happen. Nothing can really change. No major self-transformation can occur until you learn about yourself. And true understanding of yourself comes from being alone, from spending time with just yourself. You can't know what you truly want until you ask yourself what you want. And you can't know where you want to be headed until you pause and check in with yourself. And some people can go decades decades without ever checking in with themselves and asking themselves, is this the life? Are these the people? Are these the experiences that I want to put up with for the rest of my life? And is this the standard? Is this what I've settled for my whole life? And now I'm, you know, decades on and I'm looking back and I'm not happy. And a lot of people that feel that way are the ones that have so many people relying on them. They're almost like a martyr. They end up you know, identifying with feeling needed, that they just spread themselves so thin and they never truly take time out for themselves to be alone and think, is this the life I want to live? Is this what I want? Is this as good as it's going to get? And am I okay with that? Where you are right now, I want you to be able to start asking your, asking these questions to yourself. Okay. I don't want it to be 10 years down the track that you think, fuck, I've never checked in with myself like properly enough, okay? Now, to summarize this point, to separate the two, being lonely is not a choice. You feel like it's not in your control and you're suffering and being alone is a choice. It is where you have chosen to be with yourself. It's this spending time in just your own company to either wind down, to find clarity or answers, to heal or just to enjoy the moment alone, okay? That is the difference. Now, there are two kinds of being alone. So I want to break these down into the two categories and they're both very important. Number one is being physically alone and enjoying it. This could be the ability to do tasks alone, living alone, traveling alone, eating alone, going out for walks alone and then going to the movies alone, going to sit and have a coffee at a cafe and read a book by yourself and feel okay doing it. Okay, it's not this idea of like, I've got severe anxiety sitting at this cafe and I'm alone and everyone's watching me feeling sorry for me. 
that's all like negative talk in your head that you've created that people probably haven't even noticed you're sitting there. But I'm not talking about forcing yourself to do it. I'm talking about naturally that feeling good, okay? That's the first one. uh, It's a physical thing. The second one is this idea of taking time out to be alone more so for your mind. So unlike the first category of being physically alone where you're still interacting with things that you're doing or, you know, you're doing an activity, this is more sitting in silence, whether you call it a meditation or, or it can also be when you're journaling, but sitting in your own company without engaging in a task or on any kind of social media or without watching television or something like that or reading a book or something like that. Just really checking in with yourself. This one is people don't do it that often. Or you might not even have to be asking yourself questions or this or that, but it could be you get home and you just sit down and think, oh, I'm just going to relax for a bit without trying to pacify your boredom or entertain yourself. Just sit and be, okay? Both have a lot of importance because if you can't learn to love being alone physically and mentally, you're going to sacrifice a lot of things in your life to avoid this, okay? You're going to find yourself in situations that aren't good for you, you um, that are going to stress you out, that cause you pain, that cause you emotional pain because you are scared of being alone, okay? You're also going to miss out on so many opportunities because a lot of the time we really want to do something but we think, oh, well, I can only do it if you do it with me. A lot of people spend their whole life with this, with this bucket list of things they want to do but their partner, their life partner, is not interested. So they think, well, I can't do it because you didn't want to do it with me. It's not their problem that they don't have the same likes as you. If you actually enjoyed being alone, you could go ahead and do that alone but you have decided that alone is not an option and it has to be with your partner. So now you're counting on your partner having the same wants and desires as you in order for you to live out that dream. That is ridiculous. So you're basically at the mercy of someone else's likes and dislikes. How is that? How is that you being independent? Ridiculous. Now, one of the reasons why you probably avoid it so much is because we, and, and you, not just you, people in general avoid being alone quite a lot and find it quite surprising. If you're someone that avoids it and then you've got a friend that's doing all this shit alone, living alone, traveling alone, you might find it quite surprising. You might pity them, maybe, because to you it's just such such a weird concept. But a lot of people feel that way, especially more so now than ever before. And this is because we have so much at our fingertips to entertain ourselves that we've lost this ability to just be alone. How often, legitimately, how often do you walk somewhere and think, I don't need my headphones, I, not, I don't need to be on the phone to somebody? And if you do that, firstly, amazing, but a lot of people, when they are doing that, it's because, oh, fuck, my headphone batteries ran out, or oh, my phone's dying, I can't call someone. And it's just walking from A to B. Do you know how rare it is for someone to just walk with no devices in their hand and no fucking headphones on? And I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. I have headphones in all the fucking time. But I'm saying that's an example of how we've gotten so good at filling up every moment when we're doing something without somebody else, filling it up with constant distraction, constant stimulation. So how do you think you're ever going to figure out what it is that you want and what it is that you don't want if every second of your day when you're physically by yourself, you are filling it with entertainment, social media, podcasts, Love that you listen to my podcast, by the way. I love that so much. But social media, podcast, TV, blah, music, all this shit. We are spoiled for entertainment all the time that we've lost the, the ability, we've lost the knack to just simply do something alone without being annoyed at ourselves. 
then the problem is that if you don't have this practice of just doing something alone every, you know, once a day, you should be doing something alone, ideally once a day within reason. Obviously, some people can, some people can't. But that's the goal, right? And if you don't do it, a lot of people say, oh, no, I can't do it because my mind races. I can't just sit there and be still. I have to be doing something. I can't just walk somewhere without stimulation. My mind just races and I don't like it, okay? Now, to touch further on this topic, I was listening to this interview with this man. He's a I, – I really don't want to ruin the pronunciation of his name. His name's Naval Ravitkant and he does a lot in meditation and all of that. And he worded what meditation is so brilliantly. He said that initially meditation, and I, I would liken this to just being alone in general, but he's talking about meditation here. Meditation is like an email inbox. When you first sit down and you haven't gone through that inbox forever, it it is overwhelming. There's all these unanswered emails that, you, that you've been putting off, putting off, putting off. It's building up, building up, building up. And then you sit down and it's like downloading ping 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 and all these thoughts which are you know likened to emails are cropping up cropping up cropping up flooding in so you're feeling guilt anxiety how you feel about something how you feel about someone what your fears are your insecurities your negative self-talk and that is when most people think fuck that was unpleasant fuck that and then they decide I don't want to meditate I don't like meditating and it's very unpleasant but so imagine if every time you opened your inbox, you're like, ah, that's just, fuck that. That is way too overwhelming. I'm never going to open my inbox ever again. You don't do that. But, we, but why do you do that then with your own thoughts? You know? So what most people do is they cut it way too soon. But he calls it like a self-therapy. Eventually, if you always, you know, check your emails regularly, it gets to a point where there's only a few things coming into that inbox every day. You've deleted what needs to be gone. You've dealt with, you've replied to what needs to be replied to. You've kind of filed things in the places they need to be filed. And then you've just got a few that trickle in every day, right? And you tend to them when they need to be tended to. And then when this happens, the inbox is clear. It's empty. And then you start to find peace every time you meditate, every time you take out to do nothing. Okay, look him up. He's awesome. Naval, N-A-V-A-L. R and surname is R-A-V-I-T-K-A-N-T, okay? So if you use that analogy and you think, I hate being alone, that is probably why. Because you've put it off for so long that the inbox is so full. Your inbox of thoughts, feelings, emotions and insecurities is so big. Instead of thinking, okay, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes with a timer and I'm just going to sit with my thoughts and I'm going to watch what arises. Is it a fear of something that I just need to address? You know, sometimes it's not, it's not that you need to like lean into the fear, but it's good to acknowledge like this thought keeps cropping up a lot. Maybe I need to do something about it. Maybe I need to learn the tools to address that fear. Why am I always talking to myself so poorly? Sometimes you might sit down and realize, wow, I'm really horrible to myself. Maybe I need to address this. You know, you only discover that when you can sit with your thoughts and start to work through that massive list of thoughts, that inbox. Now, once you can get to that point, after you've done all the work, you've done the meditating, you've done that, you're going to realize that the people that you hang out with, the standard starts to get higher and higher and higher. That's why a lot of people, you see a lot of people who are quite self-actualized, self-realized, who have quite a small circle because they've ended up calling out a lot of people in their life that they're not interested. doesn't mean that a lot of people are bad, but they have an ideal of who they want to hang out with. And because they enjoy their own company so much, they don't bother hanging out with people that, that you know, 
isn't that, that aren't serving them essentially. And I'm not saying, you know what, anyone that, that puts you in a bad mood, fucking cut, cut them out. Like you are there for your friends. You are there for your family. But I'm talking about quality relationships here. If you've got a friend who's all – like a lot of people, a lot of people write to me, you, beautiful beans, write to me saying that you're in a friendship group where one of the friends is like awful to you but you don't want to leave the friendship group because, you know, you don't want to leave the other people in the group. Can I just say, what fucking world are we living in? In what world are we living in where you've got a friendship group where one of them is being a cunt to you and everyone just observes. That's called bullying. If you observe bullying and you do nothing about it, and especially if you're in that friendship group, you are also a bully. So I can tell you right now that not only is that bully bad, but the rest of your mates are a bad fucking apple, okay? Get out. But most people then say, well, I can't get out because then I have no friends. Find new friends. And I know it sounds really difficult, but if you can learn to enjoy your company, it's so much easier to do that. You fucking tap the fuck out. And if the friends of the bully, who quite unquote are supposedly your friends, if they actually care about you, if they like you, they will seek you out. They will try and reconnect with you if they are quality people. And I can guarantee you, if they're not quality people, you're going to exit that group and those people will do nothing to do something. If anything, they'll try and pacify their own guilt by throwing shade on you or by saying shit about you so they feel better about the fact that you weren't treated well in the group and then you left, okay? And if that does happen, amazing. That is the trash taking itself out. You should never, ever, ever feel that you are in a situation, whether it's relationships with a romantic relationship or friendships, where you feel so uncomfortable to be there. Because if you do, that means that you hate being alone, okay? You should always, the minimum standard the last point that I want to cover. The minimum standard is what you are and what you do and how you feel when you are alone. That is your minimum standard. Because if it's not, you're going to accept fucking rubbish, left, right and centre. If you don't set the bar at some point of how you treat yourself and how you are when you are alone, then you will accept the fucking dregs of society that bring you down. I'm talking about partners, I'm talking about quote-unquote friends, I'm talking about acquaintances, I'm talking about people that you hang out with. And I'm even talking about family, okay? I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge in a couple of minutes for what I want you to start doing to learn to enjoy being alone. But I want you to understand that you can be living your life fearing this being alone because you confuse it with being lonely that you never give yourself the opportunity to really level up in your life and to really be like, I actually don't need this. I'm going to do this. I actually don't need that. I'm going to do that. One of the best things that ever happened to me was being dumped because I'd never truly experienced being alone. And it is the greatest experience ever. Immediately after it happened, I went and moved out by myself. I suffered. But to be fair, I was also going through a heartbreak. I wasn't suffering because I was alone. But so much growth happened. I I can't even explain it in words because I was alone. Because I chose to live by myself and I sat, there were many hours of contemplating life and what I was going through and whatever. And I really learned why I was so sad and what I was lacking and what I want in life and what my true aspirations are. Not as far as achievements, because yeah, okay, I thought about that. But what I wanted to feel every day. What I, what I would really, I had this ideal of I want to wake up excited. I want to wake up happy. And I want to wake up feeling calm because I was waking up with this impending like sense of 
doom every day that I was just going to feel awful and that I needed this person back in my life, right? So I, I started creating this like ideal and everything that I wanted that I started thinking about from being alone, I realized I didn't even have that when I was dating this person. Yeah, I loved him, but I didn't wake up thrilled. I wasn't sad, but of all these ideals that I had, I'm like, wow, I'm really starting to flesh out, get a really good idea of what I want in life. And I would have never come to that conclusion had this breakup never happened, had I not moved myself into this, you know, out of my comfort zone and been alone. I am telling you right now, you learn things about yourself that you will never learn if you don't give yourself the opportunity to be alone. If you're someone on the Facebook group that's asking, should I take that leap and go overseas? The answer is 100% yes, you should have bought the ticket yesterday, okay? Do it. Do it, do it, do it. You have nothing to lose but money and money will come and go in your life constantly. It's always going to come. It's always going to go. Sometimes it'll be a lot. Sometimes it'll be nothing. And within reason, without blowing everything and being on the street, within reason, be prepared to lose a bit of money to experience things in life. If you've been, someone wrote in the Facebook group that they had, you know, been dumped and they're now 26 and they feel like they really need to be at home trying to find their next partner because the clock is ticking and this and that. I'm like, but they really would love to live live overseas and do like a year abroad. I'm like, go abroad, go abroad. If you have the money to go and if you can work abroad, there is no question in my mind that that's what you have to do. Because by doing that, you learn about yourself, you grow as a person. And when you come back, whenever it is that you do start dating someone, the person you date is going to respect you so much more because you are going to know what you will and will not accept. You will have it very clear. If you don't experience being alone, it's a lot harder to get that clarity, okay? And you can experience being alone if you are in a relationship as well, okay? You can experience, you know, you can learn about yourself and what you want and what you don't want, even if you have a partner. You don't have to be single to do this, okay? Now, tasks for the week. My challenge for you guys for this week is to spend 30 minutes every single day being alone, okay? 30 minutes. You can walk somewhere. You can be doing that, but no music, no TV, no phone, no distractions. You can do tasks, but nothing that is distracting, okay? So walking somewhere, folding laundry, I will allow, journaling, meditating, that kind of stuff. There's, there's not much, okay? <laughs> and, and I don't want you doing like strenuous exercise either because that, that is distracting. But a stroll, yes, okay? Um, or a run because it's this monotonous thing. That is what I will allow, okay? And I want you to note two things I want you to note. Before you embark on this 30 minutes, every day, guys, every fucking day, I want you to note what feelings of adversity arise before you start those 30 minutes. Are you like, oh, I'm so annoyed. This is a chore. This is going to be difficult. Or are you like, oh, I'm actually looking forward to this, you know, respite of my day of just being by myself for these 30 minutes, just not having anything. It's like a timed thing where I don't have alerts going off. Is it exciting? Is it scary? Are you avoiding it? What arises? And then after the 30 minutes, I want you to write down how did you feel after those 30 minutes? Write it down and have a journal for the seven days. Maybe we can start a little thing on the Facebook page of people sharing how they feel before and after throughout the week and just keep sharing how how it's going. I can guarantee you shit's going to come up and you're going to learn a lot. Then the next step I want you to do, you can either do it straight away or you can wait to the following week. And some people already do this and if you do, fantastic. If not, I want you to go and get a coffee and sit at the cafe alone and drink that coffee, okay? 
Don't be walking somewhere with a takeaway coffee in your hand because that's not anxiety provoking because you can think, oh, it looks like I'm going somewhere, you know. No, no, no. Sit at the cafe and drink a coffee. If you are terrified, I will allow you to have a book. No phone. I mean, in your fucking pocket, but no phone out on the table. Sit with your coffee with the book. Ideally, sit with your coffee with nothing and just people watch, okay? This might provoke so many fucking feelings in people, but this is your task, okay? And if you're freaking out, grab a book, okay? And then if you want to take it to the next fucking level, you can have a meal on your own, you can go to the cinema on your own, or you can go on a weekend away on your own and really, really fucking take it to the next level. Or fucking buy a ticket to the other side of the world and do that good times, but you're not going to get there until you do these baby steps and learn how to be alone. If you ever have the opportunity and the financial ability to live alone, highly encourage you to do that. But you don't have to live alone to learn how to be alone, okay? So don't worry if you can't afford it. That's not necessary. You just need pockets in your day where you eventually will start looking forward to being alone. It is the biggest gift you can give to yourself because you start asking yourself questions. You start listening to the answers. You start learning about yourself, things that you would have never learned otherwise. You start raising the standard for how you want to be treated because you start treating yourself better because you are now a priority. If you never hang out with just yourself, you are telling yourself, I am not good enough. I am not good enough to hang out with just myself. It's an awful concept. So then how would you expect, you know, to, to command respect from other people if you're not respecting yourself? You know, some people may respect you. Some people know it's a bit of a lottery. But if you start to respect yourself, you can then command that respect from other people around you because you know where the standard is. And if someone's not respecting you and if you've got like only shit duds to hang around with as, as quote unquote friends, you can turn it around and say, I actually enjoy my own company and it is much better than your fucking company. So au revoir, cunt. Okay. That is it for today. Love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. So happy to be back. So happy to be podcasting again. It is literally my fucking like the fucking love of my life and Tyrone. Love you so much, Tyrone. But podcasting is the fucking love of my life. Oh, it, I just love it. And I hope you guys are enjoying the pep talks. It's really fun doing them. So good times. Uh, that is all. If you guys want, please jump on the Facebook group and share your seven day kind of little um, homework that I'm giving you. And, you know, just comment, get ideas from people, share how you feel. I think a lot of people will feel really um, you, you'll, you'll see people that you resonate with a lot. You'll realize that what you're feeling, you're, you're not alone in what you're feeling. Guys, thank you so much. As always, please remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Darker.